Um, so, continuing with Perek Chav Gimel, Mitoch Last time we spoke about Belevov Eish Mitoch So that was Belevov, the heart. Belibas, I believe. Belibas Eish Hasneh. Belibas Eish Toch And we said that the heart is the upper third of the sne, and the Maral explained to us that the upper third is always separated off for for Kedusha, for holy things, and, and the reason was why the upper third, not the upper half? No. Why does it always have to be that way? You're right. We saw it in the Mishkan, we saw it in we saw it in the location of the Mishkan in the Chatzar. We saw it, uh, me as far as the Kadosh Kadoshim. We saw it in the Kadosh Kadoshim in relation to the Mishkan itself. We saw it in the person. We, um, we see we see the the analogy coming. Meaning, we see the concept manifesting itself everywhere. But what was the reasoning? Why is it one out of three? Why is it not one out of two? Why is it not one out of four? That's a question we can ask. Of course, it's a question we can ask. What? That's where the if you're doing a, a, a cross section of a person, the, the most important top, the most important parts in the top third. Great. So we see that to be true. Right. But why? conceptually, why is that the case? When Hashem built a man, He built him with chokhmah, right? And uh, and the upper <laughs> third is the special part. Good. Why is that? Why does Hashem make it the upper third? Now the upper half. Why is it that we see this pattern over and over? Wherever, wherever there's some part that's special, is it's, it's a third. Okay. Because it's the. Well, I mean. Okay. So we, we, he said it. So oh, we, we, we don't have to, we don't have to okay. guess, right? Um, so it's is the meat min harov. You guys see that? Yeah. A couple lines from the end of the paragraph. It's the meat min harov. Means it's the smallest. It's 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 the. Obviously, one out of a hundred is also Ma'at Minarov, right? But the first place where that's going to appear itself is going to be one out of three, right? If it's, if it's, so that's why I asked you, why can't it be one out of two? Why, why can't it be the upper half? The answer is because if it's upper half, it's just, it's just a half. It's not necessarily the choicey part. It's not necessarily the more, you know, the, 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 the more um, unique part, right? When, whenever you bring something special, it has to be a minority part, then I can tell there is a special part, right? It's, it's the choicey, right? Whether it be Bikurim or, or um, right, uh, things where, where you, you go through, you select the really nice things. If, if it's half, I, who knows what, what half you gave to whom, right? But if, it's, but if, I, if I have a whole bunch of stuff and I, and I select a few pieces and bring it, and bring it to Hashem, then clearly those are the best pieces. So why thirds, one yeah. of the fourths? Or I mean, is the first place where that concept manifests itself. Meaning once you've shifted from half, now you've got something. So a third, now shift. two against one, now it means that there's a choicey part mm-hmm. to so be given. It's the first type of fraction where the denominator is actually illustrating when I am minority. One half and one third. Exactly. Okay, so, um, and this is important to remember that the the special, the spiritual, the lofty, the refined, is always 
a mute, a minority of the of the of the of the rest, right? The Jewish people make up a small part of the Jew of the world. Now we make up a very small part of the world, but theoretically, even if it were to be one third, right, that would already convey the concept, right? Meaning that once the um, you know, they are few in number, right? I mean, because it's not the natural thing. It's, it's whenever you're looking for uplifted, elevated, transcendent, something beyond. So it's always going to be a, uh, a a mute, a minority. Okay. So now, next paragraph. Mitochasne. So obviously a uh, bush full of thorns and and the uh, and the fire is in there. Pure Razal, b'midrash Mos Rabbam, Amar Rebbe Yona, Hainu Hudiksev. This is what the pasuk is alluding to in Shir Hashirim. Pischi Achosi Rayosi. Timesi. So, my sister, my companion, my twin. Mat umim. I mean, Timesi in in Poshupshad might might be my my pure one, but. But the drosh over here is from a language of tuumim with an aleph of twins, right? Ma tuumim, just like twins, has sheim echad chashborosho. It's a known phenomenon, right? That if you have twins, that one of them has a headache, chavero margish, so his his fellow twin feels it as well. Kachamar kodesh boruchu. So too, Hashem says to the Jewish people. Ami, Anochi, Betzara, I am suffering with you, Benemar, Bekol, Tsarosim, Lotzar. So, in in all of our sufferings, there is a suffering to Hashem. In all of our narrow, in all of our uh, constrictions, in all of our being in a tight place. So, so it's also narrow for Hashem, right? So that's why Hashem is speaking from inside the thorn bush. Because the thorn bush, obviously, is full of pricks. So you wouldn't want to be inside of a thorn bush yourself, right? It uh, conveys a tremendous level of discomfort, right? But Hashem is, is that's exactly what He's speaking from, because He's saying that just like you are suffering, you're in a thorny place, so too, that's where I am also. That's, that's where I'm speaking from as well. Okay. Says the Maral Biru Beze Dover Amuk Meod. This is explained here a very deep thing. Ki Nikra Yisrael Temesi Leinyan Nifla is coming to convey a, a transcendent matter about the Jewish people. Mipneki Hu Yisborach Ha'ilo Vyisrael Heim Banov. Alulim. Okay, language, Eloi and Alulim, if we haven't spoken about it until now, uh, it's a language that the Maral uses, the, the 
Chovas Lavovus, Kuzari, Mornavuchim, all these forum use. These, this is a language that pre the his galus of the of the explicit Kabbalah and the, uh, the Lishonus of the Zohar, which was mostly done through the Talmudim of the Arizal. So until then, the language of philosophy was used. The reason for it is because um, philosophy actually talks about the concept is, uh, where if you think about it, you, you actually understand it. Um, the, a lot of the language that we use that come down from the Arizal, from the, from the Zohar, are, are not intuitive. The, you really, you know, people throw these language, these words around, whether it be Nefesh Ruach Neshama, or, uh, you know, Mashpia um, Mekabel, all these languages, but really, um, unless you understand the Moshal well, the Moshal that the, the Zohar used, yeah, it's kind of, um, doesn't right away jump out at a person as being, as being the, the most understandable language. So here the Elo and Alul will just say it simply uh, it's what what in modern day terminology would be more mashpia and makabal. Elo is mashpia, alul is makabal. Um, the the place where we see it is Rashi says by by sending gifts to when Yaakov sends gifts to Asav, so it says that he sent the Nursing, nursing animals, meaning animals that were that had uh, babies with them that were suckling from them. And so Rashi there explains that the ulos are the nursing mothers, and and the, and, and the little calves that they have are called the uh, alulim. Okay, so that's so that's the terminology. Ulo is the mashpia, right? The mother that's no, nurturing the baby no, and the alul. Like Influencer is the, is the giver, right? And the alul is the is the recipient. Umitzad shehayilo vehalul mitstarfim yachad. Now here we, this is a big concept appears in many places that really the two of them are unit. The the the, the mashpia and the makabel combine together. Zeachdus. Thomas Yachad. And this is a unification and a perfection that happens together. Anything, any two things that have a combination that I mean they combine together, they unify. Jewish people are called sons to Hashem. So Hashem is like the parents, so to speak. And we're the children. So therefore we have this, this similarity. We have this, this uh, unification where we, to a certain extent, complete one another. And the brotherhood. So um, that... When when this this is all the result of unification. Okay, let's just explain the concept. The concept is obviously Hashem is not lacking anything. That that uh, was was never lacking anything, and, and is never lacking anything. Uh, that part 
which is beyond anything that can be grasped, perceived, or understood. Um, however, in the revealed state of Hashem having uh, a name, having a name means some sort of a revelation, some sort of a being known, and the name is the name Havaya, name Yud K and Vav K, right? Which Havaya means existence, means being, means Nimtza Kayim, absolute existence. Um, so, to a certain extent, the absolute existence is fully seen, fully recognized by others when he's also which means that everything that was, everything that is, and everything that will be, is all from him. So it's two different things. There is Hashem existing. Let's say, let's say there's nothing else exists. So Hashem is a nimtzakayim. There's not even time. So you, it's not relevant to talk about, to talk about the, the, the name of Aya as it is unto itself in was, is, and will be. That's, that's within time. Right? So that is just a nimtzakayim, an absolute existence. Absolute existence. I'm, I'm using the language... Um, it's really, it's really, the language is Lashem, language of the Lashem, but it's, it's really what the Derech Hashem is speaking about in the first, the very first oath in Derech Hashem. Okay? So, the, the name Havaya, the, the etzim, the, the primary definition, understanding of the name Havaya, UK and Vavke, is Nimsakaim, absolute existence, which is, uh, Rishon, Kadman, Venitsky, the, the, the absolute existence to where there is not dependent on anything and, it's, and, it's, uh, and it can't possibly be that it will not exist. The, but it's hard for us to relate to that. What exactly does it mean? Uh, in what way is this? Once you understand, like the Derech Hashem says, Shekol Mashen Nimtza, Shehu Himtziu Mamtzi Eskol Mashen Nimtza, that he brought about and maintains everything that exists. Yeah? Everything that exists came from him and is continuously supported by it, by him. Then you understand, like the language of the Rambam and Mornavuchim, is that his existence is not merely sufficient for his own existence, but the nature of it is such that it is also the source of all other existence. That's how much an existence it is. Meaning, most other people's existence, most other people, every, everything else exists, is uh, not even sufficient for its, for its own sake, which is why it's only around for a little bit and then it stops to be, or it's only potentially exists, it could potentially cease to exist, etc. Hashem not only exists, but He exists so much that He is the source of, of, of all existence. Ex- all existence comes from Him. So to a certain extent, that secondary concept, that secondary name, the secondary, I should say, pirush of the name of Aya. Again, the primary pirush of the shame of Aya is Nimtzakayim. Secondary pirush of the shame of Aya is Hayo Hova that he created everything, he 
maintains everything and he guides everything. He, everything that was, everything that is, everything that will be, right? That's a secondary period. It's not directly talking about himself. It's not describing God's essence. Well, not his essence, but it's not a descriptor on God that he was always. That's what I'm saying. That, that would put him within time. That would right. be. That would not be. Mm-hmm. That would not be good. Right? You don't want to stick even the manifestation of Hashem within time. Yeah. Um, so why is it hu haya hu hove? That's mitzidenu. That's from our perspective. Uh. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of lost on how this tied into what we're reading. So, what I'm saying right now. So, that's why the Elor and the Alul are so intimately connected. Right? To a certain extent, having an Alul, having a Makabal, having a created being in the world, right? Is to a certain extent fully expresses and manifests the perfection and the greatness of the Elor. Of the mashpia, right, and that's why I meaning the existence of the bonim is a, is a covered to the to the av. Because you can't reveal something unless there's someone to reveal it to. Second. No, the, the thing itself, its own existence, is the manifestation of the covered of the law. Right? What's covered? Covered is, by definition, given by someone outside of oneself. Covered is, is recognition. Covered, covered is manifestation. You can have a person who's very, very very big tamachacham, very big tzaddik, everything. But if he's a completely nister, so he has no covet. Now maybe he doesn't need any covet, but he doesn't have it. Right? Once other people recognize him to be a chacham and a, and a tzaddik and a kaddish, all these things, now uh, they're mechabed him. Right? So covet is always mibuchutz, covet is always outside. So we're saying that there's a certain hashlama, there's a certain uh, completion to the shame of I of being in Nimtzakayim from the existence of other things, of Hayahovah Vi'iyah. Because, because other things exist, that's a manifestation that Hashem's existence is so perfect and so absolute that it's even a source for the existence of other things. So that's why the existence of the Alul is a manifestation of the of the greatness of the law. Okay? So if the Alul now is Chaser in any way, right? So in that regard it takes away from the law. It doesn't take away from the Elaw Baetsam, right? The law, the Mashpia is still just as perfect as he ever was, Baetsam, Kishihula Atsmo. Right? The way that he is unto himself. But it takes away from that manifestation. And hence the covet. Exactly. So in that regard now, 
they become one entity and, the, and, and to a certain extent depend on one another. Even to the extreme example of being compared to twins, where there's a certain equality even, because the two of them together are making up a the, uh, the, the unit of Eloi and Alul, Mashpia Makabal, together. There is no Mashpia without a Makabal. It's still, there is that, whatever it is, but it's not a Mashpia. It loses the shame Mashpia. Right? Wait, but neither of them are the Mashpia or the Makabal. Sorry? Is it twins? Neither of them are. Twins the is a concept of where the two of us are, are equal partners. Twins means we are peers. We are, we are absolute equals, so to speak. As a, how can you say Mashpia and Makabal are equals? They are to the extent that they need one another. Now, in what way does the Mashpia need the Makabal? What are you talking about? Like, like the Rambam says, right? If you were to imagine that, that, the, that the Makabal, that the whole world would cease to exist, Hashem would not change Kiyuzeh. It wouldn't, wouldn't make any difference. Whereas if Hashem were to, if one could imagine that Hashem could exist, could, would cease to exist, then nothing else could exist. So that doesn't seem to be a fair, equal thing. So you're right. In that regard, of course it's not. That's why we're called Bonim to Hashem, right? We're called Bonim. We're called a sister, which a sister is very close, but she's a sister. You're, you're the brother, she's a sister, right? It's not the same thing. And then on the more extreme level, I mean, in the, in just in the, in the aspect of the fact that there's an interdependency that's expressed through the description of being twins. Just that aspect. Okay? And so then, therefore, to a certain extent, we talk about, this is important to understand, we talk about the Shekhinah is Begalusa, the Divine Presence is in exile, you have to cry over the Tsar of the Shekhinah, a person should cry over the suffering, the pain of the Divine Presence. It's like, what are you talking about? Hashem... Hashem's presence is, is in pain, is suffering. We have to, we have to console it. We have to try to save it, to rescue it. We talk, what is this? Uh, some princess in a tower with a dragon around there is like, what, what's going on, right? So, people like to throw things around without have, without understanding what they're saying, right? But, but if a person would like to understand what he's saying and make it real for him, what it means is that to the extent that Klausrel are lacking in in this world, lacking in being who they're meant to be, are uh, broken. So to that extent, the Mashpia, the Hashem, the, 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 the source from where we receive all of our bracha, which is called Knesset Yisrael, or Shechina, those types of expressions, is also not fulfilled, is also lacking, because there's not a Klausrel who is currently capable of receiving those brachas and, and, and all those things. It's, it's Pagam and the Shechina is covered? Shechina is covered. Shechina is a term used for for covered Shemaim in this world. It's Pagam and the covered of Hashem? Absolutely. If the Jewish no, people... That's the point. Yeah. the Jewish people are downtrodden, if the Jewish people are Rishoyim... The Jewish people are disconnected. 
That's, that's a major pagam in, in Kavod Shemaim in the world. It's a Chil Hashem. Because there is a there's, no, there's no manifestation of Hayahova V'yiyah. Not no manifestation, but there's a dimi- diminished manifestation of Hayahova V'yiyah. Of as the one who is as the one who is creator and maintainer and guide and, and guide and judge and ruler and king over um, over the Alul over over these over these Nevroim. So really we should just cry for ourselves. No, oh, yeah. we should cry over the lack of Kvod Shamayim that is, that is the result of our suffering. That's what Nefesh Chaim says, that when Hannah was, was crying, and it says that, that she was even Zorik Dvarim Klapimayla, she was, she was to a certain extent arguing with Hashem, right? But she wasn't arguing because of her own suffering. She was arguing, she was fighting over the fact that she understood that her being the daughter of the king and her lacking in having children, that's causing a tremendous um, lack in the manifestation. Obviously, she understood what it would mean to have a, to have a child, to have that fulfillment for herself. So that's, that, that's causing a lack of manifestation of uh, the Ratz Hashem in the world. A lack of of, of cover Hashem in the world. Do you do you think partly why we have a hard time connecting to? I mean, me and I have a hard time connecting to that idea that the Shechina is suffering is because we're not even fully aware of how we're suffering. Could be, but the question is, the question is, you know, when you hear the analogy of this princess, you know, in the in the tower with the dragon, right? So people. People feel good, but but it doesn't. It's hard to. You're not gonna. On a, it's not gonna be what's called nusyashivalalev. Nusyashivalalev. The thing. The, the matter is not gonna settle on a person's heart because which prince is what? It's not. It's not real, right? It's, it's an analogy. It's a marshal. Marshal is a story. I can't live in a fairy tale, right? So if you want for this thing to really um, be powerful for us, then the, way, then the way to do that is to make it real and contemplate this concept. To contemplate, to, to spend time thinking about this concept of the fact that when the Jewish people are walking around, not very different from Goyim, living empty lives... That is, an, to a certain sense, an exile for the Kavod Hashem from this world. Is it, is it that, meaning the spiritual level of the Jewish people? Or is it the Tsar, like Tsar, so we go through both. both. The, two of them are, the two of them are directly related. Because, what, Hashem can't protect us from the Tsars? That's what, that's what the implication is? I think He can't protect us. Is that when we are disconnected from Him, Cause we Tsar. fall into a world of darkness. The more kind of the, the Rambam explains, right, that animals live in a world of darkness. Animals live in a world of darkness, where all sorts of things happen in the world of darkness. Angels live in a world of light, 
where there's absolute revealed hashgacha. Since there's so much connection to Hashem, everything is in a much more fixed up way. And man can be in either one state. He's got two feet on the ground, but he's got two hands up in the air. And he can be, now he can, like some people out there, I wonder when they're going to start walking on, on all fours. They're going to come, come out with some theory that is actually healthier for your back, it's like better, etc. You should start walking on all fours, right? There's, at some point they're going to come up with this, no? So, so that's one option. That's what potentially man could be like that, right? And saying, how can I eat an animal? I'm not any better than an animal, right? Animals also have feelings, right? So, I mean, dogs can have inheritances. They can even try lawsuits, I believe, in certain states of this country. No? If an, there was an inheritance that was written to a dog and then oh. somebody, somebody potentially, you know, impedes on that. Uh, it's, uh, I'm sure it's probably the custodian. What? It's probably the custodian. Okay, on behalf of the dog. Um, it's, it's so, and if the dog is really upset, they would fire the custodian. I'm sure. Okay. So anyway, so and and the other extreme is a tzaddik who, who, right, meaning who elevates up where his feet leave the gr- leave the ground. He levitates right now. You can't levitate more than ten tefachim off the ground, but the maximum it cannot go higher than this to levitation. What? The feet. Right. Right. Moshe Rabbeinu levitated. Right. He went up to Shemaim and says. Right. Okay. And the Gemara in Sukkah says that that, that that's that that's only up to but not including Tantvachim off the ground. Because he was still attached to his body. Mm-hmm. It was. Bishagam Hubasar. Person still physical. Right. Have you ever been even a single tafak off the ground? Can you even imagine what that what what, what that what world that's like? Can you imagine what it take what it means to levitate one tafak off the ground? You think it's just a fi- you, you've seen too many movies, right? Yes. A, but, but I have a trick to tell you. Yes. In the movies, they really have a very thin wire attached to the person's back, and that's pulling. And then somehow somewhere that pulley is something is attached to the ground. Okay. Okay. Person not really levitating. Le- to levitate, a person has to leave this world to a certain extent. The question is how much you're leaving the world. And the byproduct is the distance that your actual physical goof is above the ground. I said, like, what are we talking about here? We're talking about physical measurement, right? Maybe. Not sure. But it says, it says, that's what the Gemara says. Okay. Um, yeah, so let's continue. We go with this idea we understood. It's important. Concept. What? Okay. Um, so, but the point is that that when a person is performing a mofus like that, right? Whether it be the the Baal Shem Tov crossing uh, rivers or, you know, or whatever it may be, right? Again, did those things happen or not? We don't know. But theoretically, they could happen. Right. Okay? And, I mean, the story that the Gon did offer Avraham, Ben Avraham, to 
take him out of jail through using the divine names uh, somehow or, or another. Not not sure how, but seemingly talking about teleportation. Again, what that entails, we, we don't know, but the point is, theoretically, these things are possible. Um, do they actually happen or not? Don't know. What do they say? That if you believe all the all the Hasidic stories, so you know, I got a I got a bridge in in in, in New York to sell you, and, uh, and and if you don't believe any of them, so then uh, then maybe you're lacking in the moon. Okay, fine. Weiter. Ubemidrash Chazis b'shira shirim raba. Shal Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai as Rabbi Eliezer ben Rabbi Yosi. So Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai asked, Asher, Shishamata miavicha. Perhaps you have you have a Shmuel. Rabbi Shimon was a contemporary of Rabbi Yosi, right? That they were two of the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Yosi Nimuko Imo, right? As depth as with him, spoke about it. Uh, leading up to Lagba Omer. So, Rabbi Shimon asked his son if he has a Shmua from his father. Perhaps he heard something from his father. What is this Pasuk in Shir Shirim that says, Batara Sha'atra Lo Imo? Oh, okay. This is, this is, um, this is a pretty deep thing over here. Um, the crown. Right, we're a terrorist army over here, right? So, in the Atara, in the, with the um, the Gon Mishle explains that an Atara is different from a crown, from from, from a. I mean, we loosely translate it as as a crown, but um, there is a there is a a levia, which is a solid golden decoration that a person wears on their head. I think that's. Um, potentially could be could be a kesser, right? It doesn't have to be a kesser. It could be a Yushalim Shal Zahav or something else, but something uh, decorative like that. Is that a diadem? Um, I have to double check what a, what a, what a diadem is. Um, yeah, I have a loose understanding, but we're getting very specific over here. Um, and then there's an Atara, an Atara, uh, the, the, the way that the Golan in Mishle explains it is, uh, is like a... Um, you know, like the 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 Roman Caesars would wear uh, a, like a, a wreath of like an olive wreath on their heads, or like a Roman senator or something, right? Now, an olive wreath is not super attractive. It's not like this gorgeous, really expensive, very nice thing on his head, right? But what it is, it's a it's a symbol of power. Okay. So that's so that's that's what that's what the Gon in Mishla explains it is an Atara. An Atara is a symbol of power and authority. So a Kesser is different. Uh, a Kesser, number one, um, is always in the shape of of uh, upside down roots. I mean, a Kesser is like we like uh, like Rashi brings by um, in Parshas Vayichi, right? Um, uh, uh, what is it called? Goren Atadim? 
the the thrashing floor of, of thorns, right? So I, I don't. I, we only have a few minutes, so I don't have time to go open up the Rashi to get the exact lotion, But the thrashing floor of thorns. So the Rashi there brings the the, the, you know, the place where Yaakov was was um, eulogized, and then you know. So so why is it called the thrashing floor of thorns? So Rashi brings the midrash that that all the kings took their crowns and they hung it around. Yaakov Avinu's Aaron, so it was like a threshing floor, it's a round thing, it's a circular thing, because that's, you know, the, the cow with the weights behind it walks around, thrashing, so it's circular, and the thorns, because crowns are thorny, crowns are, crowns look like thorns, they're pointy, right? So the reason why crowns are thorny and pointy is the same reason why our tefillin have the shins on the two sides, well, the one shin with the four prongs, and the shin with the Three prongs, right, is showing that a person has sharashim going up to a higher place, that he has that his power comes from a higher authority. He's, he's not. He's not just. He's not emotional. He's not a dictator. He's not a person with who who controls things from a power down here. Melech uh, uh, who wears a keser on the side. He's saying that that my that my authority is rooted in a, in a higher source. Okay, um, and that's why it's also beautiful because it has to it has to represent a otherworldly, um, you know, beauty. Right? I mean, be- something very beautiful that you never find in this world. Right? When the last time that you saw, uh, you know, uh, a sapphire or a, you know, a ruby or you know, like uh, just in the street or, or in one of the buildings or wherever we are, right? You, you, you never see them, right? It's something consistent with every cult. Like, it's a cross-domain phenomenon of kingship is that it's always connected with the idea that it has some godly endowment. Exactly. I mean, exactly. In, in whatever culture. And that's why they wear a crown. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, but but we're, we're talking about... Um, so, so over here we're talking... We, we want to discuss the Atara, which is a power symbol... Symbol of authority um, that that she, that his mother made for him, right? What is this pasuk? Um, the difficulty. I'll just leave you guys with the difficulty because it's already ten o'clock. The difficulty that Rabbi Shimon is obviously struggling with is he in Shira Shirim is who, and I'm not making a play on Hebrew and English words. He is who. And, and and he is she, what? God, right? right. So in Shir Shir, the the the, the masculine, the, you know, the male, the male quarter, the you know, the the lover, right, is, um, is is talking about Hashem, the the you know, the Gibor Chayil, the the young man of valor, the the warrior, who um, you know manifests himself at the at the Kriyas Yamsuf and the, you know, crush the the Egyptian armies, right? So, then, uh, for those that want, the terminology used is Zeranpin. That's the language of our result, right? A, a, a manifestation of Hashem, a, na- a name of Hashem uh, is Yudke Vovke, where he is a young man courting his bride, which is the Jewish people, usually. So, but, so over here, talking about a wreath that... The, of power that his mother made for him. So who is the mother of Hashem 
who is empowering him and putting a, a Torah on his head. That seems to be the question that Rabbi Shimon is bothered by. Uh, Shem, there, there is a, I believe there is a Ramban on, in the Chumash that talks about this as well. We'll uh, have to pick this up next week. Hashem. What's the exact translation?